We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We are into week three of the NFL season. We are moving right along here. So, Mario, how are you doing after two weeks of NFL action? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's, you know, been kind of crazy, I guess, but I suppose we feel that way every year. I can't remember the last time I didn't feel that way. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it's uh, more like last season than I think it is. But I'm, I'm feeling the scramble to all the like new you know details that we weren't taking for granted going into the year that have already popped up in two weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting one, definitely. Th- thus far, I feel like we haven't had the the classic like league changing waiver wire uh, type shakeup just yet. I mean, I guess. Elijah Mitchell last week was kind of the big one thus far, but this past week he'll have to do out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) He'll have to do for now. Um, Getting panicked about, about some of my uh, high draft picks though. So we'll, we'll of course weave that in over, over the course of uh, this hour long podcast. Uh, Well, everyone knows the drill, but um, basically our Thursday show, we run through every single game on the slate for the upcoming week. We don't spend a ton of time on the Thursday nighter, but uh, we do touch on it just uh, just uh, out of posterity. Uh, so let's go Panthers, Texans. Panthers getting are given a lot of points on the road here, eight points. It's a scrappy Texans team. I don't think that they're a very good Texans team, of course, but um, any, any you know, inclinations here, any, like, fringe guys that, that you would start or sit in this one, especially considering this is going to be Davis Mills' uh, first start? Davis Mills is the part that makes it uh, maybe not too big of a spread. I, I agree. If that had been a Tyrod spread, a spread, I would have thought uh, that's that's way too many points for the for the Panthers. But Davis Mills, I mean, he might be fine. He might be pretty bad though. And this Panthers defense looks like it's pretty legitimate. The pass rush uh, looks like they're without Gross Matos. I don't I don't remember if that was the case in previous weeks, but. Ryan Burns is going nuts. It's a pretty tough-looking defense. I think the coordinator, Phil Snow, can be creative, uh, or at least creative enough to be challenging for a rookie quarterback, even if, even though they're getting the start for him at home. So, uh, yeah, I'd be pretty concerned about the Texans just not really getting a whole lot going here, although they've definitely been scrappy, like you said, and it, it seems like uh, whatever limitations they might have, they'll, they'll always be, you know, 
they'll they'll have plenty of effort. They but they won't be short on uh, motor or intensity. Yeah, it's just having having that big of a disadvantage at quarterback because it's not like Davis Mills is you know even a first round he, caliber quarterback. You know, this yeah, is, I don't I mean, know if he might have been a little bit of a reach where they took him. Like I I don't. I'm not convinced he was really worth drafting even, but we'll see. I've been wrong about quarterbacks, obviously. I mean, he was the sort of invented hero of late draft season. You know, he, he was sort of like uh, – who was the who was the Syracuse quarterback from a few years back that went – Ryan Nassib. Yeah, it felt, it felt a little bit Ryan Nassib-ish. Um, yeah, I would describe him – not that he had the same trajectory. You're right that the narrative kind of like ascent and the timing was similar – uh, there, the the player I would have to compare him to though is uh, like Ricky Stanzi with really bad knees, and uh, we'll see that that could just be totally wrong. But uh, I don't think it's going to work. And that, again, that Panthers defense looks pretty tough to this point. It's, it has been really tested, but it's it's been about as strong as you could reasonably ask of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean it. That's rolling along. The, the offense seems to be starting to click. It looks like Darnold uh, might might be having that, you know, nice second chapter. Uh, now now with Carolina, DJ Moore looks great. Christian McCaffrey looks just as good as he did back in 2019. So, um, yeah, things are things are moving in the right direction for the Panthers. Um, a lot of the public money is on, on the Panthers for, for tonight, and understandably so. Let's get on over to the weekend. Uh, we got the Bills football team leading us off one o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Bills seven point favorites in this one. That feels a bit a bit heavy, even with them at, at home uh, in their own right. Obviously, they're coming off a thirty five uh, point drubbing of, of uh, the Dolphins a week ago, and the football team, you know, having that exciting win with Taylor Heineke last Thursday. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm surprised to see the way the money is going on this. I was. Like you, I just reflexively was like, oh, that's too much. You got to give Washington the, the edge with that number. And then I'm looking at covers right now. It looks like 62% of the public has been betting on the bills, and yet the spread has come down two full points. So um, that's – unless I'm missing something, this, this seems to be like there's there's disproportionately large bets on Washington relative to the bet volume. And uh, I was expecting it to be the other way, like opposite of what I reflexively assumed since, you know, Definitely not an expert better. And uh, when I think something is obvious, it's usually the opposite way, and I'm just missing something crucial. But it's nice to see, uh, you know, knock on wood, it could just be that the one time the big money guys agree with me that we're both wrong. Maybe that's what's happening here. But, yeah, I think Buffalo has some legitimate issues. Like, I mean, the, the Steelers are a good defense. The Dolphins are a good defense. It's not like, it's not like they've uh, embarrassed themselves through two weeks. But it's been distinctly disappointing, and there's sort of just issues that you can see that weren't there last year that maybe didn't really see last year except for that buff, uh, the, the Baltimore game in the playoffs where um, the is Martindale the defensive coordinator? They, they basically yeah. just said like they just said like to hell with man coverage. We're running zones every single play. We're not even going to bother running any man coverage. Um, both because like you can't man cover Stephon Diggs; it's a pointless task, and also. Josh Allen was so much more accurate last year and the year before than his prior years, not because they changed his mechanics or anything. It's that they lessened the amount of post-snap processing that he had to do. So it turned out, in hindsight, Josh Allen's worst accuracy issues were just the result of him realizing too late in a play 
what throw he needed to make. And he would try to make the throw without having like the operating room to do it and not with enough time. And he kind of just gets sloppy racing the throw out last year, especially they really got his pre-snap everything lined up. He knew where he was going after the snap. He didn't have to process and he got much more accurate. It looks like these first two weeks, he's back to having to figure things out after the snap and he's kind of struggling with it again. So, you know, maybe, maybe they just faced two of the five toughest defenses and maybe Washington's isn't as good as the first two, but I think it probably is about as good as the first yeah. two. And uh, nine and a half points is a hell of a lot. Seven and a half is a hell of a lot, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. That, that's a really interesting point when, when it comes to Allen, because, you know, com- coming into the league, he was raw. And then, you know, he he has these two really strong years in, in 19 and 20, obviously. And, you know, a lot of the credit go- goes to Brian Dable. So I don't. Yeah, I guess the defenses have adjusted to him a little bit. And even though he's, you know, as about as toolsy as you can be as a quarterback, if you don't know what to do with the ball, it doesn't really matter. So uh, do you expect a bounce back here? I mean, not not just even this week. I think that this is a tough matchup, even with the Bills being at home. I, I think the Washington defense people are overreacting to the, its performance against the Giants a week ago. I still think it, it, it has all the ingredients to be really, really strong. So um, do you think that Josh Allen and, and, you know, Stephon Diggs, of course, you know, kind of start to get things going back to 2020 levels eventually, even or even if it's not this week? I don't have a good sense of how complex Washington's coverages are relative to Pittsburgh and Miami. Miami's are definitely pretty ambitious. Like Brian Flores has some pretty aggressive, complex coverage schemes. And it's like, it took them a while as a defense to figure it out. And last year and this year, they've kind of figured it out. You're seeing them get better for it. Um, Washington might be a team. I don't know. I it, it, Basically, the more they play man coverage and the more they give away pre-snap what their man coverage uh, matchups are, the better for Josh Allen. So um, if, there's, if there's less smoke and mirrors with this Washington defense and more just uh, we win one-on-one matchups kind of mentality – that would suit Josh Allen. I just can't tell which way it's going to go. And if, you know, like Baltimore showed last year, Baltimore was probably as much or more man coverage than any team last year until that Buffalo game. And then they just didn't run it at all. So Washington could change their, you know, change their tendencies, even if they're not normally a, a zony type team, but that's what it would come down to. I think, because if, if Allen has to figure stuff out and like decode ambiguous coverages after the snap, you really don't want to be in that position with these particular pass rushers. Okay. All right. So that that's all points well taken. Um, and then on the football team side of things from a fantasy perspective, um, what are you expecting out, out of Antonio Gibson this week? Yeah, I know people are kind of panicking on him and I, I understand the despairing of, Oh, I wish he had a 30 point game right there. I wish he had that JD McKissick catch stuff like that. Missed opportunities are missed opportunities. They always suck, but they don't necessarily mean anything. It could just be bad luck. It could just be nothing in particular. I think Gibson's been mostly encouraging, and as a player, there's no reason at all to doubt him. This Buffalo run defense, it's it's been better through two weeks, obviously, than it was previous years, but they faced the, the Steelers, who couldn't block at all for Najee Harris, and the Dolphins, who apparently don't even intend to like run the ball at all. So this is their first real test. They're at home, obviously, that helps Buffalo. But this this could be, like, if we're right about this being too many points for Buffalo in the spread, it could be as good of a setup for Gibson as any of his first three games to this point. 
Okay. All right. So reason for not for optimism there potentially, especially if, if we are right on the on the football team side of things. Let's jump on over to Bears Browns. We got Justin Fields making his first NFL start, and Vegas has responded in kind by favoring the Browns by a touchdown. This game, of course, taking place in Cleveland. I got a bad feeling about this one for for Chicago. What say you? Yeah, it's uh it's it's I don't know. I don't want to deny like the upside potential of Justin Fields and a, a guy like Allen Robinson can just take over some games if if he's in a certain state that day. David Montgomery's playing really tough. I think a kind of hard-nosed, windy sort of environment suits him just fine, even against a kind of tough defense. Like if you just give him enough touches, a guy like him can get going eventually. It is tougher to tell how much of an opportunity the the Bears will have to give him the ball because you could imagine the Browns offense doing pretty well. Like the secondary, the cornerback personnel is really thin with the Bears. Uh, Sorry to ask this. Is Odell Beckham expected to do anything in particular this week? I just looked it up. Uh, So that's good hosting here. Uh, (laughs) Good good (laughs) proof work by me also. Don't forget that. Um, (laughs) You're good. Uh, I know Landry's practice in full on Wednesday, but his status is is TBD. So we'll, we'll know a little bit more after today, of course, but he did do a full practice on Wednesday. All right. So it might be a scenario where the Browns running game has to do a lot of the lifting. And if they, produce the way they can they could get the game a little bit out of hand or at least uncomfortable for the Bears offense but I don't know I, I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield in general and to be fair to him it's a pretty windy looking game like this one it, it, at least I'm seeing something that says it might be over 15 mile per hour wins uh, playing against any NFL defense with your you know third and fourth string receivers uh, one of them's like 22 the other's 21 and I don't know who the other. Oh, it's Rashard Higgins. Uh, anyway, uh, so they're depleted there. That might kind of give cover to the Bears secondary and whatever the Bears secondary generally lacks. And if Roquan Smith can sell out against the run and if Akeem Hicks can have one of his better days, that could be a surprisingly tough matchup for Chubb, a, a surprisingly tough scenario. Um, if the, the passing game is helping move the chains. Chubb will eventually break pretty much any defense, including this one, and he could just run over it in the first place. But I think it'll have to be him because I can't really see, you know, n- not even really bashing Higgins or Peoples-Jones. I think they're pretty good, definitely good third and fourth receivers, but it's not the easiest environment for them to get going. No, yeah, B- Baker in the wind is definitely not not in an ideal condition for, for him, it, it appears. So, yeah, look for healthy dose of Chubb and Chubb and Roquan Smith, of course, former teammates back in the day. So that that'll be a fun kind of in-game uh, matchup there. But how do you expect Fields to do in this one on the other side? It could, I'm just going to have a cop-out answer, I guess. Like I could see it go either <laughs> way. I'm generally not optimistic just because. I, I just mean, don't think Nagy has it drawn up to help him succeed. It's a it's a pretty tough scenario. I mean, going on the road against a a generally playoff recognized kind of team like like the Browns is not fun. And uh, I know he had the long Robinson. That might have even been a tu- no, it wasn't a touchdown. But there's that long Robinson pass that Robinson uncharacteristically dropped. And you could have imagined Fields having a much better day than he did if that pass had landed. And he kind of really you know fe- felt the rhythm go, and, and the defense kind of got you know, spooked by it a little bit off its assignments. Like that's how 
guy like Fields can really get going, but it went the other way. It's like that pass was dropped and he kind of got flustered under the pressure. Uh, so he could get flustered. He definitely showed that tendency last week. Um, but you know, it's, even if he's flustered, if, if, uh, if the Browns leave an open field and no one has an angle on him, he can outrun, you know, most any Denzel, uh, non Denzel Ward, non uh, Greg Newsom defender on that team anyway. So uh, we'll see. He could. He only needs just kind of like an error made by the defense to make the defense pay more than most players. But I don't know if he's going to have like the bread and butter kind of functions nailed down, especially if this, you know, I mean, this this offensive line is not good, uh, especially on the edges. And, and Miles Garrett, it, if he's playing at a certain level, it doesn't matter how much help you put on him. Yeah, but yeah, Garrett is, is going to be a problem. Then you get Clowney coming off the other side. I, I just think that this is a, definitely a, a tough uh, spot for for Fields' first start. So we'll see how this one unfolds. Again, the Browns favored by seven in this one. Let's get on over to Colts Titans. Titans five point favorites in this one. Obviously, Indianapolis dealing with a lot of injury concerns. But you know, from a fantasy pr- perspective here, something that we that we were obviously counting on a lot was A.J. Brown pr- producing yeah. right out of the gate. And it hasn't happened, and it looks like the, the knee issues that, you know, he played through last year, um, I don't know if they if they are directly related or anything, but the guy just hasn't looked like A.J. Brown yet. I mean, 6.1 yards per target in the first game, 4.8 in uh, last week's game at, at Seattle, which, you know, was a really fun kind of shootout type of environment. So he, he did play 71 snaps, so at least the, there's that. So, uh I don't know. Get, give us give us some reason for optimism for, for A.J. Brown uh, investors. Well, if there's reason for optimism, I guess it's that he's still been targeted decently. It's just like he hasn't converted the targets really. Namely, he's been dropping passes, which, you know, that that could have something to do with the knee. If, if you're thinking about your knee instead of focusing on your route and like where the where the coverage is. Maybe that explains a drop here or there. I don't really know. Maybe maybe just general discomfort is like clouding his head a little. If not, though, I, I would sooner expect that it's just kind of like he had two bad games, and <clears throat> we will remember this for you know a month, but not more than that. Maybe uh, if the knee is related to these struggles, then that's worse because I don't know if I don't know if we can really expect that knee to get better before the off season, like it's, he already played just hurt apparently one year last year with it. And it sounds like he's somehow ended up doing the exact same thing this year. So uh, unlike last year, the numbers haven't been there through two weeks. And it, if there's any sort of signal to it, then I don't see how the problem really gets solved. Yeah. that, that That's just going to be, you know, but like his teammate Julio Jones, like just going to be on the injury report all year, but playing through it. He did drop passes though, so it's like if if he had just been not getting targets or like you know every target that he gets is is in triple coverage and they're just right on him every time, that'd be a little worse. Especially after Derrick Henry having a game like last week, you know, it's the defense can only afford to pay so much attention to him. So hopefully he gets it going here. But in terms of this general matchup, I don't trust the Titans. I mean, I don't trust either team, but I definitely don't trust the Titans. I think their defense is still pretty whack, and uh, I know the the Colts are insanely screwed up right now. But it, it, so there's a couple injuries to keep track of here. Like if Jayon Brown is out for the Titans, that that hurts them maybe maybe a significant amount. And uh, I don't know what 
it won't hurt them as much. It won't hurt the Titans defense as much as the Colts would be hurt by Braden Smith being out. And I don't know what the latest is there, but that, that's a huge injury. Uh, if he's out or if, if they can't get good play out of whoever's there, that could be a way for Jonathan Taylor to fall a bit flatter in what's otherwise a good matchup where he kind of needs to get going. And um, I, I think he's definitely up to it. And I think the Titans are up to accommodating him, but playing without Quentin Nelson or playing with Quentin Nelson hurt, you know, is and dealing with that complication is a lot more manageable than dealing with Quentin Nelson being hurt or limited and Braden Smith being out. Like Braden Smith was, he's not as good as Nelson, but he was a, the clearly, I would say second most important lineman to them and a, a very good one wrong, uh, just compared to the league in general. Right. And they, and they lose Costanza that this off season to retirement. It's not the, the same kind of vaunted offensive line that they've been working with in recent years. We didn't even touch on the quarterback situation yet. Uh, in Indianapolis, again, we're, we're not huge Wentz guys. I think that everyone knows that. But um, you still have to imagine Wentz is probably a little bit better right right this moment than, than Jacob Eason. So Wentz obviously dealing with those problematic ankles right now, status up in the air. If it is Eason, do you think that Indianapolis just even with, even with everyone in the stadium knowing that it's going to be a run, that we just see Jonathan Taylor just kind of have to be the engine of the entire offense? Maybe. Um, I mean, I guess I should mention, like, Michael Pittman had a really good game last week, which I think he kind of needed it because he had a bad week one. And still for his career to this point, he hasn't really stood out the way someone like him should. But if he keeps up last week, that obviously is is something that's changing. And the Tennessee Titans have – I don't remember who they're – it's Janoris Jenkins and Christian Fulton and – yeah, especially Janoris Jenkins. That's a bad matchup for the Titans because he's like 5'9", slowing down in his later years here. So the matchup's good for Pittman, and maybe maybe even Eason could capitalize. Like, the Titans' defense just isn't very good. And uh, it looks like Bud Dupree's, he's either not ready to contribute or he's uh, turned out to be an ill-advised signing, one of the two. The pass rush doesn't seem any better for the money spent. The cornerback personnel somehow worse than ever. And uh, there's no there's already a reason to believe the scheming was any good. So... Um, even even if they're selling out against the run against Taylor, this is one of the best settings for Taylor to overcome that particular s- situation because uh, there is a way to play it just totally wrong. You don't want to you want to play it up against the run aggressively, but you want to keep your safeties like less aggressive uh, than the, than the first nine guys because if you put those safeties like right over the tight end, that's a good way for yourself the, to screw it up for yourself because if if you get isolated against one defender against Taylor and that guy misses, then you're just done on that play. Even if even if the other you know six guys just swallow the entire offensive line, if you let that one-on-one happen, it can be the end right there. So um, Vrabel seems like a dumb enough, generally aggressive enough guy to maybe fall into that sort of trap. You know, really, really thinking like, yeah, let's you know, there's blood in the water. Let's keep blitzing, suicide blitz. And like, if he does that, that's actually not how you want to defend Jonathan Taylor. You want to keep two safeties over the top at all times. Right, because yeah, once he gets to the second level, makes a guy miss, then then it's it's Coitens, uh there on on a given play. So good stuff there. Let's jump on over to our next matchup. We got Falcons Giants, but before then, uh, a quick word from our sponsors. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, 
and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, moving on again, like we like we were saying, Falcons, Giants. We got the Giants, two and a half point favorites in this one. You know, a couple teams with their seasons on the on the proverbial brink. I don't think that anyone really thought that. The Falcons were at least no. going to challenge for a playoff playoff spot, but the Giants, you know, the, the the East is muddled enough to where it, you know, and their defense was good enough last year to where maybe you thought that there was a puncher's chance that the Giants were going to do something. So this setup, uh, break it down from a fantasy perspective, starting out with with uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, so I, I don't want to make any assurances about like what kind of state he's in and his recovery, but seems like the usage couldn't really be any more encouraging. Like I know that the touches from scrimmage weren't as high as maybe his investors had in mind, but when you give Barkley as many snaps as the Giants have, 
that indicates like they're ready to give him the ball. Like it didn't happen, obviously, but they wouldn't put him on the field if they were like, oh, we can't let him touch the ball on this play, though. Let's let's put out Barkley just to do blitz pickup and hope his knee is fine. You know, right. that's, that's not really a thought that anyone has. So uh, they're going to presumably try more than they did in the first two weeks to get him the ball. And just the situation was headed that way anyway. Just It was going to trend in that direction, even if they didn't make that specific effort. So with the matchup being as favorable as it appears, it seems to all be converging for... Barkley to really break out here. The only way I could really imagine it falling flat is just, you know, some, some kind of workload cap, which would be insane after they let him play that many snaps uh, or the need, like not being ready enough to capitalize. But it, it seems like, you know, all green lights basically. Okay. All right. Well, but you know, in the leagues where I do have Barkley, you know, I felt, felt like someone who was, going to fade him kind of regardless going into draft season. And then, you know, over the summer, he's falling to the ninth, 10th, you know, sometimes even into the early second, I'm like, okay, like I, I will scoop that up at, at a discount. And obviously it hasn't really panned out to this point. And, you know, I felt like last week's stat line was kind of a microcosma of what he's been uh, of late when healthy, where, you know, he kind of bangs his head into the wall 10 times, but then he, he gets that 40 yard run on, on top of it to, to kind of help out his cause. So uh, more 40 yard runs for Saquon, please. And uh, less banging the head into the wall. Um, as far as Daniel Jones right now, I mean, this is, has got to be a pretty good setup for him going up against the Falcons. Obviously he he's one of the, the classic guys that's maybe not a great real life quarterback, but for fantasy, you can kind of see it, especially with, with his running ability. Yeah, and um, like you're saying, the matchup seems pretty much all clear. They seem to have pretty substantial advantages in terms of the wide receiver versus secondary matchups. Uh, Shepard kind of has to fall off in the efficiency sense. Like, you can't keep catching 98% of his passes for 12 yards a target or whatever he's doing. (laughs) But the general theme of him playing well should continue here. And to whatever extent there might be the per play regression or whatever, that probably is not that it's definitely lower than usual, but it's at lower risk of, of significant regression than, than against like a good defense, of course. So I, I know it's, it's, it's kind of feels like chasing points, but it's hard to see why Shepard would fail here. Uh, if he does, it probably wouldn't even be failure. It would probably be more like, well, Slayton and Galladay were getting open so much that uh, Shepard couldn't get his usual claim on the offense, but all three of those guys look pretty good here. Like other than Terrell, I don't really think the the Falcons have a whole lot at, at a corner, so uh, they shouldn't have a pass rush. They shouldn't defend the run particularly well. I, I don't want to say Jones will do anything in particular ever, but there's no reason that he should do poorly here. Okay, and then on the other side, is Matt Ryan too washed to sustain both Ridley and Pitts, or, or can he find a way to do it this week against the Giants? Well, last week I thought it was – I don't know, not not encouraging exactly, but it wasn't as concerning as I expected it to be after the way right. week one went. So they showed some sign of life, which against the Eagles, they only did in that first drive. They must have had like 85% of their yardage that day on that first drive, and they just <laughs> did nothing after that. So they showed some life against the Buccaneers. It's not where I wanted uh, Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts to be through two weeks, but still better than I thought it would be after the first at this point. So 
we'll see. Kyle Pitts was definitely good, and he's getting a ton of per-snap usage that's really promising. And if he just kind of has more games like week two than week one, he should have, uh, I don't want to say like an insane breakout will happen, but he could have a couple like wildly impressive games that don't necessarily show up obviously ahead of time. So uh, obviously everybody who has pits in season long has to start them just on the basis of where they drafted him. But I think they can bank on a bit of a surge from here, from him. I don't know what to make of the Ridley situation. He's just bound to however low Matt Ryan can go basically. And uh, the way you knew this offense was going to work going into the year was however Ryan produces is what determines how much Ridley and Pitts produce. Like maybe someone could be low on Ridley and Pitts because they think Ryan's going to throw for like 3,600 yards, which is kind of his current trajectory and, and what, you know, if it carries on, it'll have been the correct assumption, but that's the only way Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts can fail. So uh, we're kind of at this point waiting to see how closely toward that worst case scenario, Matt Ryan goes, because if he starts trending toward his, his career, tendencies to this point, then Ridley will definitely go off. Like that, the first thing cannot happen without the second. And, you know, just obviously really small sample size, but, but through two games, Ridley has over half the team's air yardage and 22% of the targets as well. So he's definitely awesome. So that's, I guess the starting point, it's just that, you know, you weren't really getting a discount at his ADP for the situation as bad as it's been through two weeks. Anyway, hopefully Arthur can get it going. It can't be worse than week one, and hopefully week two, you know, is, is them generating something, anything. Yeah, it's it's going to take more than than one not disastrous game uh, a week ago to like completely wash the that Eagles performance um, off of my brain. Uh, let, before we move on to uh, our next matchup, which will be Chargers Chiefs, got a couple messages here from our sponsors. Leading off of our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting and much more at your fingertips. And if you want to break from sports betting, head to WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet right now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. We also get a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all listeners the opportunity to claim a free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests 
In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest that is live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including a first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo Sports this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim your free $10 and get started. So again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash fantasy slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim those free $10. And then we got a message from our friends over at Vivid Seats. Preseason football has wrapped up and we're ready for the regular season to kick off. Live events are making comeback and there's no better place than Vivid Seats to get back in on the action. So grab your NFL tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels great to say. Even better, they just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show that everyone's talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. That's Vivid Seats. Experience it live. All right, Mario, moving on over. We got a bunch of games to get to here in this next little bit, so we will lead things off. Chargers, Chiefs. Give me the panic meter on CEH. Um, I, I don't know. You're, if you were sounding for your boy, I, it's, what's up? I'm, fe- I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling real bad. Um, I I get it, but I don't really see anything conclusive and, and nothing that's like to the extent that the panic is that's going on. And um, it's I, I just am generally leery of of kind of narratives that come out of such uh, micro focus events like these with with where we're like oh come on we need it he's he's getting carries it's it's time he's got to do something this game and like then when people were thinking it's got to be time this must be time he fumbles and that's bad of course but it's also an event that i mean if he had like a bad history of fumbling and it's like an ongoing problem and they're getting sick of it that'd be one thing but i think people are letting their sense of personal disappointment uh kind of cloud or, or, you know, complicate anyway, their, their sort of just description of events, which is more to me, like a guy had a fumble and uh, 30 snaps against a pretty good defense where he didn't do a whole lot. And I don't really care about any 30 snap sample in particular. So I would have had to have personally been like Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a crap rookie season. And this is more of the same in order to get concerned. But instead I feel like it's just, like, they can't really go to anybody else. If they want to go to Daryl Williams, that's fine. You, you can get uh, two yards of carry, see if that's better. Uh, you can go to Jarek McKinnon, watch him run into a wall over and over. Maybe that suits them better. I don't know. But if those two things don't suit them better, they have to keep going back to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And if his next 30 snaps are good, the last 30 don't even really apply anymore. And when it, when it can all be erased that easily, I can't really – latch onto it at this point but yeah it's not good the way it started i just i i feel like even with the, the cases you laid out regarding like going to darrell williams a little bit more or or a mckinnon even if that might not be the most like advisable thing it feels like it, you can't write that off as as a possibility if edwards Lair continues to underperform right but he needs to fumble to underperform from scrimmage relative to mm-hmm. the other two so uh the Chiefs could choose to just not produce as much at the running back position, but that's the choice that they're left with. And 
they can make it. I don't, I don't, I don't think they really have a good reason though to, to make any sort of change in their workload unless they acquire another running back. Okay. All right. But if they enough. do, that would be bad. Yeah. But I mean, obviously you'd, you'd have to have a pretty good running back situation uh, and redraft for this weekend, but would you consider uh, benching uh, CEH this week? Maybe in like an eight-team league. All right, all right, good, good to know. I was thinking about uh, going going Tyson over him in, in a in a league. So we'll we'll see where where I, I mean land that's off that's now. not like ridiculous. I just uh, I don't know. It's Tyson obviously is is in generally good standing, so that I would consider that a better alternative than most Clyde Edwards owners are likely to have. True. Good Good point there. And then on the other side, someone who I, I feel like has gotten a little bit uh, of um, of panic so far, but I think it's mostly undue, and that, that's Justin Herbert. So how do you uh, envision him uh, do, doing this week again against his Chiefs secondary? It's not a great matchup, and going to Arrowhead often kind of sucks. So I, I think Herbert's really good, and he, he showed an ability to play well in a less-than-ideal setting in week one. I don't know what to make of the Dallas thing. I mean, sometimes, sometimes just, I don't know, defenses like Dallas's can improve and it's like, sometimes sometimes isn't obvious before it happens. Maybe that's what's going on there. Maybe it was one game that didn't mean anything, but I definitely believe in Herbert. What I can't tell is whether I believe in the rest of the, the pieces around him beyond Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, Uh, Mike Williams doing fine, of course, but they, they seem to regress a little bit almost on offense last week and, They'll need to counter-adjust. They need to be ready for the Chiefs to play pretty well because they, they probably will. Um, maybe this is a spot where they finally get Eckler going quite a bit. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's not that easy to throw on the, on the Chiefs. They're, they're not exactly strong personnel, but they got guys who do certain things pretty well, and they, they tend to pitch in and, and make it all work well together. But it's, it's more the stadium, if anything, that's concerning in the matchup because – like even if Pat Mahomes has a huge game, that, that that's totally fine for Herbert investors. That that's the biggest fear with the Chiefs. It doesn't really apply to him. Okay, all right, that that definitely makes sense. Um, and then, I mean, this would this would be kind of crazy, but just to get, set the record straight, obviously Tyreek Hill didn't have a Tyreek Hill week last week um, after just absolutely dominating week one. Obviously, feel pretty good about him uh, this week. Yeah, well, Staley's probably going to have some vaguely clever plan. It's one thing to make it work, the oh, uh, another to, to just think about it. So we'll see. Andy Reid tends to be pretty forward-thinking himself in terms of uh, he's aware of the things that he's called in previous weeks, previous years, and he seems to ask himself, like, what would I expect of myself if, based on this? And he tries to make up an answer that you know isn't one that comes to his head. So uh, he tries to stay ahead of that stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll see who gets the better of the other here. But, yeah, you cannot really pet against Tyreek Hill two games in a row. I do think it is setting up to, to be a good matchup for Edwards Hilaire, though. I mean, I know uh, I, I know he already – people feel like they've heard this story already and they're, they're sick of it. But the Chargers will probably let them run almost. So it's – I shouldn't say they will let them. But they would sooner let the Chiefs run than – concede even a slight feeling of insecurity in the past defense. Sure. No, that, that totally checks out. Yeah. They would much rather see him, him running that then, you know, have uh, be a little bit outmanned in, in coverage, especially when you have guys like uh, Tyreek and, and Kelsey um, to account for. And 
we'll just see what what the hill hill coverage situation ends up being because you know it could end up being like a cutting off your nose to spite your face situation i mean we saw what kelsey did last week against baltimore and i mean even guys like byron pringle and demarcus robinson made, made big plays so i mean you eliminate tyreek hill but the chiefs can still have a ton of success on on you through the air so it's a it's a real pick your poison type of thing and you know for, for my money i mean some of those throws that mahomes made last week were, were some of the best that i've ever seen from him and you know he just continues to amaze no, no matter what it seems like so uh That'll do it for, for that uh, preview. Let's get on over. Got a few more games here. Bengals, Steelers. Obviously, the big story here being Big Ben uh, dealing with that pack. His tummy tummy. <laughs> yeah, his tummy hurts. Um, staying home from school today. No, I mean, it, Ben Roethlisberger is clearly a tough guy. Like anybody who plays NFL football is actually incredibly tough. And Roethlisberger has played hurt enough times that we, we know he'll he's capable of that. He'll tough it out, play well hurt, but he'll also ham up how hurt he is when he knows that he's playing poorly and he's looking around and thinking like, "Uh Oh, there's, there's going to be blame to be had here. Isn't there? Well, I'll just slink off over here with yeah, my, I'll get that uh, walking sling. boot on. I'll get- <laughs> uh, I mean, my, my, everything hurts actually now that I think about it. Uh, yeah. So he'll, he'll do that. I think this is just him planting his, uh, his exit, like his escape hatch, you know, uh, the, the, the floor release. Um, and he's, he's got his parachute ready. He's, he's going to make a, you know, a, a grand exit if necessary, but he's waiting in the meantime to see how it goes and see if they can't maybe get this fixed before it gets too out of hand. In which case, you know, maybe my, maybe my uh, left pectoral muscle doesn't hurt so much anymore. Uh, maybe I'm feeling a little better about everything now. Uh, that's that's maybe how it'll go, and I don't know which way here. I mean, the Bengals could make a tough game for the Steelers. They might not play particularly tough against the Steelers. I, I don't really know how to call it. This The Bengals' defense, I guess, seems a little better than it has in some number of years. Don't know whether it's enough to really scare the Steelers, though. I mean, I guess the Steelers need to be concerned about every front seven with their offensive line the way that it is and Ben Roethlisberger the way that he is physically at this point. But... Um, I don't see a reason why Ben should really like fall apart here, at least, you know, relative to his new standards. Okay. And, you know, if you look at the, you know, the relative impact uh, on the rest of the the pass catchers, you know, with, with Roethlisberger performance wise, maybe being compromised a little bit, you look at the Deontay Johnson injury now did not practice on Wednesday. Um, do you still have confidence in, in, you know, rolling a guy like a Chase Claypool or a Juju Smith-Schuster out there? Yeah, I don't think the Bengals really present much concern there. It might even be a decent setup for James Washington if uh, if Ben Roethlisberger can have enough time to load the trebuchet and you know latch it back Put one down there. Yeah, if, if he can do all that and and have have a comfortable angle to to, to toss the rock. Uh, James Washington can, can definitely play a little bit. So th- they've definitely got matchup advantages at receiver, I would say. And maybe Harris can get going a little bit. I don't really know. But in either case, I think the Steelers should be able to lean on their defense here because not to say his season is going to be defined by it or anything, but Joe Burrow looked pretty rough last week. And understandably so, like the conditions weren't great. It's, it's not like he uh, was an embarrassment exactly, but he didn't look good. And it's like, we knew he was coming back from a late season, worse than usual season-ending knee injury, and 
that's not easy to play with, even if the you know even against bad defenses in the NFL. That's 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 like playing the toughest college team uh, in any given game, even if they suck. So uh, it's it's a tough adjustment. Like Burrow's having to make this adjustment to the NFL while he's dealing with this knee problem, and it's it's not an easy job that he had to begin with. So uh, he could get understandably pretty stressed in this environment. The Steelers' defense doesn't lack uh, for fire or you know any any level of aggressiveness and. They're calling a pretty good defense through two weeks. They confuse the Bills, obviously. So this could be a really difficult setting for the Bengals' offense, even though they, of course, have plenty of skill position talent. Right, exactly. Yeah, so this really could end up being a problem for Burrow, uh, you know, especially if Watt's able to go. We'll, we'll see what, what the situation is there. But if he's out there, that's obviously another thing for, for Burrow in this offense uh, to worry about. Um, let's get on over our next matchup. We got... Ravens-Lions. We got Ravens seven-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the, the Lions who've been scrappy th- thus far but um, ha- have uh, lost both of their, their games to start out, obviously against respectable teams, the Niners and, and the Packers. We get a home matchup here. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, the, the Lions are such a weird team. Like They've been pretty – I think we can agree they've been much more entertaining than we expected. Oh, yeah. uh, but how competitive they actually are, it's it's maybe not much. Uh, maybe more spectacle than substance at this point. I guess we'll see. But playing at home against uh, the Ravens is arguably easier than playing on the road against the Packers. So maybe they can keep it together, keep in pursuit of the spread better than they did in Week 2. But it's hard to see how they really compete with this Ravens team unless Lamar Jackson like proactively falls apart like just uh, just like starts dropping the snap things like that uh, yeah if it doesn't you- it's hard to see uh, you know the lines just we know they're rebuilding they don't have as much ammo it's tough for a team like them to hold up against uh, a team like a playoff presumed type team like the Ravens yeah I think the the only thing that that would really keep the lines in this one is if the Ravens were, were just in kind of look ahead mode. They yeah. don't really seem to be that type of, of team. They, they've had big wins before in the regular season. Obviously none, none recently as big as that, as that chiefs one, but um, I'd expect them to, to, you know, show up and, you know, kind of approach this game as, as any other that they would, instead of looking ahead uh, to Denver the following week. So, yeah, I, I think that we're going to see, Tyson Williams get get rolling again. I think Mark Andrews might might be in line for her, his first big game of the season. Marquise Brown's been awesome so far, exceeding expectations. And Sammy Watkins obviously had the had the bad play um, a week ago in the, on that opening drive, but you know getting consistent targets looks pretty good out there as well. So I think everything's kind of shaped up for for the Ravens to um to get this one in in rather comfortable fashion. Um, and then, you know, Jared Goff uh, kind of, you know, fell off after uh, after the, the scripted opening drive or two. It, it looked like once he had to kind of figure things out for himself a little bit more. And, of course, when it got rainy, it won't be an issue this week. Uh, things really small uh, hands. Small yeah, hands. Started just fumbling everything immediately. <laughs> it um, was, yeah, it was. Ugh, that they're was indoor handy. this time. He, he, yep, he's so, untouchable. Yeah. It's not like the Rainforest Cafe where they can generate the rain in there, or they're not going to do that, at least to their own uh, home team quarterback. Um, all right, let's jump over. Saints, Patriots, 
Saints have played two very, very different games to, to start the year, a drubbing of the Packers followed by a, a kind of non-competitive game against the Panthers. And now they're going to New England. This is their third straight week on the road, even though they're technically the home team in, in week one. So what, what say you in this one with, with the Patriots uh, giving two and a half? Well, I would guess the Patriots cover that, but – I'm noticing that on covers anyway, they're showing 60% of the public is on the Patriots and the line is holding at minus three on here, minus two and a half, I guess. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the Saints have going for them. I guess the way that this stays close is if New England doesn't have as much going for them, as I'm assuming. And I don't know what to make of their offense exactly. I I, I really think it would have been better with Cam Newton. And not that I think Mac Jones is a bad prospect. I think he's a good prospect. It's just it's tough for rookie quarterbacks to step in and play really well, especially when they don't have really good receivers. And the Patriots, much better receivers than last year, but still well short of good. Uh, it's like they, they might be average, but they're probably below average even now. The question is, can they be functional enough? And if you play great defense and you have a great running game, the answer can often be yes, but I don't know if they're going to get much going as a passing game. Uh, like Mac Jones is taking what's there, but he's not really threatening. Uh, this this can be a, a tough defense. Like I don't think the Saints personnel is very good on defense at this point, but Dennis Allen can be a pretty confusing defensive coordinator. Uh, he, he can definitely get really good results out of those guys, even on the road. So maybe this is just going to be, maybe there's reason to believe it's going to be an ugly game. You know, if, if Mac Jones can't, push the ball downfield. Maybe the Saints are good enough at defending kind of like base run functions that they don't let the running game pick up that slack. And maybe if they the running game doesn't get going, maybe it is down to kind of just a field goal sort of game. And once you're at that level, like anything can happen, you know, pretty quickly at the end of a game. No, absolutely. So we'll we'll see what how that all unfolds on Sunday. That'll be. I think that's a sneaky fun game. I think there, there's still a lot to learn about about both of those teams and their respective trajectories this season. You know, again, uh, two very different games that, that both of them have played. Specifically, um, the Saints. Uh, next up, we got maybe the the road survivor pick du jour of the week. Uh, so uh, we got Cardinals going to Jacksonville. Seven-point favorites on the road are the Cardinals. They look really good. I mean, they. Um, I, I was talking to, to my buddy Sean Fox in, in Louisiana earlier this week on his radio show, and he said that the the Cardinals are kind of like the the de facto league. If, if uh, there was an NBA league pass for the NFL, there, there's always that one team that, that, that it's fun that might not be your favorite team, but you always want to keep tabs on, on their games. I think that's the Cardinals right right now. So, I mean, they're, they're just – they're electric on offense. There's really nothing else you can say about it. Yeah. they're Kyler Murray particularly is playing really well. Uh, the matchups I think have been both favorable, the Titans, especially lesser extent with the Vikings, but their secondary is kind of a joke too. And Kyler Murray generally got the better of them pretty, uh, like a turnover aside, I guess, got the better of them like he should. And, and in a way that uh, if he continues to play at, Definitely would light up a defense like the Jaguars. I'm almost worried, like, do we have to worry about the the Cardinals' defense scoring as many touchdowns as the Cardinals' offense, and maybe that's how uh, the Cardinals' offense is a dud here. That's obviously not something realistic. It's more likely that Kyler Murray has another big game here, if only because he wouldn't 
he might not need to try that hard. Like he might, maybe he doesn't throw more than 27 passes, but maybe he uh, averages 11 yards an attempt and has three or four touchdowns on those 30, 28 attempts, whatever it is. So uh, he set up great. And in the unlikely chance that the, the Jaguars somehow get something going on offense, then Kyler Murray could put up, you know, whatever the, highest number of fancy points in a game could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be, yeah. If it, if the Jags even have a pulse, that, then that's going to be, um, yeah. Problem for anyone that, that's facing Kyler in, in fantasy this week, I, I think, but all the best ball uh, drafts that I have that, that are cashing right now have Kyler um, on there. Probably. So. Yeah. yeah. That Brady or uh, Waller, I guess you need at the moment. Yeah. Or if you have the water combo, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah then you then you're really sitting pretty. I have, I have a little bit more grunk than I thought I did, and that's oh, been nice. a, a nice little uh, early season development for for sure. Um, set the record on, on James Robinson uh, real quick before we move on to the next game. What thoughts here? Well, the team context has been brutal for him, and I think that's the only real takeaway. I don't know whether it's going to get any better. If it does, he's a good player. He'll he'll thrive according to whatever the circumstances allow. But Denver's about as tough as it gets. Arizona can be pretty smothering on defense, too. So it doesn't look like a good setup. The only thing good about it setup-wise is uh, this is a max-tempo offense on the other side, which could bring out a high play count for the Jaguars and like the Lions showed in week one, if you run 90 snaps, it doesn't matter how bad you are, really. Yeah, yeah the, the, the numbers end up uh, making the, making their way there over over that type of sample size in a given game. Let's go Jets-Broncos here. Broncos, 10.5-point favorites in this one. They'll be, they'll be trendy in Survivor this week as well. Um, anytime that someone plays the Jets, I, th- I think they will be trendy in Survivor in a given week. I think the Broncos have looked really good thus far. Um, just... Give me your thoughts for it from a fantasy perspective on, on the Broncos. You know, last week we see what life without Judy is uh, right now. And then, you know, get a little insight on that backfield, if you will. Yeah, it was good to see Cortland Sutton get going. He's such a monster pre-injury. And it wasn't clear how much he'd be able to be back to his normal self dealing with that knee. And uh, Jags are very accommodating. He didn't need to be a, a beast or anything. I guess we'll see what this hip issue is looking like going into this weekend. But if, if Sutton is... of what he was two years ago. He's already like in Pro Bowl territory. So he can carry that slack while Judy's hurt. Uh, Tim Patrick's still playing well. Uh, He seems to have quietly been playing well for about two plus years now. No one gives him his due, man. Yeah, I mean, I I understand not uh, rushing to him and, you know, expecting some big breakout thing, but people just don't really seem to remember him. And he's, he's been constant. For about two years, so he can keep playing well. Uh, Quagwinum can get going a little bit. Fant can do more than he has, uh, even though he's done totally good. This should be a good setup for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, and maybe both uh, produce here. Maybe it doesn't need to be one or the other because this is a really, really brutal setup for the Jets. Having to go to Mile High in general earlier in the year isn't great. Yep. It's apparently it's going to be hot as hell there. Oh and man, yeah, the Jets screwed. Yeah, no wind, hot as hell, and however good your conditioning is, it's not as good as you will hope it will have been by the time you get down there. If you're yeah, if you're running seventy, need to be hydrating right now. For that. Yeah, so if you're running seventy plays there, you're you're like taking next week off too. 
Yeah, that's yeah. So this is just a, a very tough setup, and I, I think that we could definitely see both of those running backs get going. I thought we saw a fairly even uh, workload split last week, and uh, you know you get you get that Jets defense to run on. Uh, I think that should set up nicely. Let's go Raiders Dolphins. Uh, Raiders four point favorites at home. Derek Carr a little bit dinged up, but he's been awesome so far this season. I don't, I don't think you can say anything else. And then uh, the Dolphins are going to be rolling in. Uh, without Tua because he has fractured ribs. So uh, thoughts here. Yeah, it's a pretty lucky scenario for the for the Raiders because I would have said they'd be in for a letdown game here if the if the Dolphins had Tua. Like I don't think the Raiders are as why good is of, that? Yeah, I've, I think well, I, I, just don't, I, I, don't I don't think the Raiders are as good of a two and O team as their you know their record might lead you to think. And uh, I think the Dolphins are totally tough. I mean they're not a clearly good team or anything, but they're, they're tough. And I just think that Tua was going to do fine. If not for the injury, I mean, the bills are a tough matchup too. He got hurt pretty early in the game, but in any case, Jacoby Brissett is so bad. I, that was one of the worst games I've ever watched from a quarterback last week. And I know sometimes it's, it's just like, you can't do anything when you're off the bench with no notice and the things are already falling apart around you. I know he can't fix everything, but he made it so much worse than it needed to be. He cannot play at all. Uh, maybe he, maybe with the week of practices, he can somehow resemble an NFL quarterback. But that that was just so bleak how bad he was last week. And uh, maybe this Raiders defense can be beat some ways. Like maybe there's still some big plays to be had in the passing against them. Maybe the run defense isn't that great. But Jacoby Brissett, the way he played last week, can turn any NFL offense into the worst one in the league. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just a brutal setup there uh, for the Dolphins. So you got got to figure. Um, if they the cover, if the, if the Dolphins cover, it's because the Raiders gave uh, like 20 carries to Peyton Barber or something. <laughs> let's uh, let's. That's what it that. takes. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's get on over. We got a couple more here to, to quickly hit. Uh, Seahawks. Vikings. We got the Vikings one and a half point home underdogs in this one. Uh, fantasy thoughts for this guy. Well, Metcalf should get going. It's not like he's missed anything exactly. It's just Russell Wilson's been so automatic and Lockett getting so much of that Swain, the busted coverage last week. They haven't really had any slack left for Metcalf, but if there were any, we'd have every reason to believe he'd go off. Maybe that's this game. Maybe, maybe the slack kind of drifts toward his direction and he makes up for lost time there. Otherwise, I mean, the way the, the Seahawks are playing in general right now, it doesn't seem realistic that this Vikings defense could stop them. Like, Daniil Hunter would have to go uh, Super Saiyan in this game to basically to, to have any shot of slowing down Russell Wilson. The way Wilson is landing bombs right now, and the, given the way the Vikings can't really cover deep, like Breland especially could give up like 200 yards in this game. So Daniil Hunter needs to prevent that from happening. If he doesn't, that's a wrap. Uh, this, the Vikings should be able to make it close, though, I think, because uh, if Kirk Cousins is decent, then these receivers can get open on these corners. Like each of these three receivers, K.J. Osborne, I did not see it coming or anything, but I think he's been totally legitimate these first two weeks. Like his, his peripherals were real solid after week one. Has an even bigger game last week. This The Seahawks secondary is thin at corner. So I think uh, the Vikings can really make it a shootout and to whatever extent the receivers are contained is just to the extent that cook goes off. All right. And then a quick snapshot on uh, Rams bucks before we, before we head out. 
Rams defense doesn't look quite as good as last year. Buccaneers may be hurting a little bit themselves on defense with Murphy bunting. If Stafford's the real deal, he should be able to throw on this defense. Um, I'm pretty optimistic. And, uh, yeah, it could be a pretty big shootout, even though we respect both of these defenses. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that one. Uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to, to preview the, the, night, the Sunday night and, and the Monday nighters here on this episode. But, yeah, I'm really, really uh, pumped for that Bucks rams game. Both of them look like the class of the NFC. So, you know, you'll, you'll hear it during the broadcast, I'm sure, but potential preview of the NFC championship game. But that's going to wrap things up. For this edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast, Scott Jenstad and Andrew Laird will be on tomorrow talking some DFS. But for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. Try RotoWire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to RotoWire.com forward slash try. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.